The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello everyone, I'm Maya Pavinska-Sims and I'm the EMEA editor of Provoke and I'm here in a very sunny and weirdly quiet London today with the chief, Arun Sudarman, down the line in Hong Kong with an update for us about what's going on in the city. Hello Arun, how are you doing today? Hi Maya, I'm good. Um, not sunny here, quite wet, uh, a bit dreary, but um, interesting times as always for Hong Kong. I think every time we talk in this podcast, it's, it's like something new and crazy is happening. Um, What's going on at the moment? What's the mood like? The mood is, I wouldn't say it's great. Um, on the one hand, we're, we seem to have done very well here in terms of handling the pandemic. Um, the, the, the local transmission of the cases mm. is really under control. Um, we've had a lot of, we've had almost a month now of kind of zero cases a day. Amazing. Uh, so that's good. Of course, you don't want to tempt fate uh, because no one knows what's going to happen. And we've already had a second wave, so there could well be a third wave. But things are starting to get back to normal. My kids are going back to school next week for the first time since wow. January. Um, so that's amazing. And I'm looking forward to that, even if they're not. So that's all good. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but aside from that, of course, you know, there's all the political things going on, which we've talked about before. And the last, the last few weeks have really, I think while, while the world's attention maybe has been focused quite rightly on the pandemic, um, while that's been going on, you know, Beijing has definitely stepped up the crackdown in Hong Kong. There's been a lot of things happening in terms of pro-democracy figures being arrested, um, people being disqualified, moves in the, in the local uh, legislative council, um, you know, to try and crack down on the on, on pro-democracy politicians. Uh, things that affect the media, there's been, you know, Hong Kong's most famous satirical show uh, has been cancelled. Um, oh, wow. Because of a, a whole 3,000 complaints, uh, which, I mean, is, that's, that's just a, that, that's like an off day for the BBC. Mm. Um, but that was enough for the show to be cancelled, for the government to demand a full apology, and for many people to start writing obituaries of RTHK, which is just Hong Kong's equivalent to, to the BBC. Oh, wow. So you take all these things together and it's not, it's not a great picture. Um, the anniversary of the protests starting, which is 6th, 12th of June, mm. when your anniversary is coming. And then there's lots of anniversaries this summer. Um, so it's going to be a long and hot summer and there's going to be a lot of unrest I think out on the streets yeah I can't believe it's a year I know it's not even a year actually yeah it's not even a year that's what makes it so crazy and in the in a year we've had both our, our, our most dramatic and tumultuous political crisis and also a global pandemic yeah interesting times for for Hong Kong in particular so we're going it's this background there's um there's apparently more than two stories in town and uh, the government's again on the hunt for a PR agency after kind of failing to find some support last year, as you exclusively revealed a few days ago. So tell us what's going on. Yeah, so uh, three weeks ago, 15th of May, um, we reported that, uh, sorry, no, it wasn't 15th of May. It was, um, 
Gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm already confused because there's been so, as you know, there's been so many stories on this going mm. back to last September. Uh, and it's been kind of a whirlwind. Um, so at the end of April, we reported that the government had restarted its search for a global PR firm. Um, I think most of our listeners will be aware they tried this last September. They invited eight PR agencies um, and ultimately all eight turned them down. Um, they started this again at the end of April. Quite a big difference this time around in that last year's brief was very political, very much focused on um, winning domestic support uh, for their policies, uh, which you know you can file under the impossible brief, I would suggest. Uh, this time around, it's much more about uh, restoring Hong Kong's reputation um, as a global business hub, which is you know critically important. Hong Kong is, is nothing if not a global business hub. Um, mm. And it's very internationally focused, very economically focused. Uh, and, and we, I think I thought there would be more interest this time around from agencies because one, um, it's more economic, it's, it's more distanced from politics, it's more international, so it's more distanced from all of the domestic unrest. And of course, there is a pandemic, uh, which I imagine is focusing agency minds more on the bottom line. Uh, maybe at the expense of um, other considerations. Um, but having said all that, the deadline for proposals expired last Friday. And um, turns out that not many big PR firms actually took part. Um, so Edelman, of course, is, is the, the big one. And of course, they're the biggest firm in the world. Um, they are taking part. Uh, other than that, pretty much all of the uh, the big PR firms have, have chosen to steer clear of the brief again. Um, certainly, if we're talking about top 20, 25, top 30 PR firms in the world. Another exception to that was MSL. Now, this was an interesting one. MSL, we reported, uh, had decided to go in uh, as a supporting partner to their firm, um, to their sister agency, Corvus. Now, I don't know if you're familiar at all with Corvus Meyer? No, um, I haven't heard, I haven't come across them actually. That was the first time in the story that I'd kind of become mm. aware of them. Yeah, so I visited Corvus once years ago. Um, they are best known, they're, they're a DC firm. I think they only have an office in DC. Uh, they are best known for their relationship with the Saudi Arabian government. Um, and, and they have a long relationship with Saudi Arabia. And they have honestly attracted a lot of controversy for that relationship. Anyway, they needed a Hong Kong partner because you can't take part in this brief without a Hong Kong office. Is so, that different last time as well? Yes, uh, the threshold is different. So last time, it's actually lower this time, the threshold. So that's another important difference. So th thanks, thanks actually for pointing that out. Um, last time you needed like offices in different countries. You actually needed quite a big, um, I think you needed quite a big presence in Hong Kong. This time, all you need is two staff in Hong Kong and wow. one office in either North America and Europe. Um, okay, this is, this is a bit wider. Do they have to be, I mean, does, is there a date before which this office in Hong Kong needs to be set up or could you effectively set up an office to enter the brief? I think it, I, I'm not sure, I didn't, uh, there may be some language around that in the brief, but I think you need to have, you need to have two full-time PR professionals employed by the office. Right. Um, and I think, you know, given the time between the tender and the 
proposal date, it would have been very hard to actually set it up that quickly and to get two people, hire two people for it. Um, but the threshold, as you've kind of pointed out, is very low. It really is, you know, mm. a lot of people can take part. Some suggestion that firms have tried to partner. So um, maybe a, an independent in the US will find a like-minded independent in Hong Kong. It's unclear if that's allowed under the criteria. Um, but anyway, Corvus can partner with MSL because they're part of the same company. So that's right. fine. Um, but MSL had second thoughts after we reported that Edelman and MSL had um, had entered the brief. We also reported that uh, a Singaporean firm called Red Hill is taking mm. part. Uh, another firm that we think might be taking part, we don't know for sure, is uh, one you will be familiar with, um, Crosby Texter. Uh, yes. Which, um, run by Linton Crosby, of course, of, uh, I think, Brexit fame. Of uh, Brexit fame. No stranger to controversial briefs. Exactly. Um, now, we must be clear here, we don't know for sure if they're taking part, but we do know that they attended the briefing session. Mm. Um, we also know that Linton Crosby came to Hong Kong last year, uh, gave an interview in which he uh, laid out some, actually, I thought, some reasonably sensible advice on what the government should do. Um, Basically, they should listen to, to their critics and, and mm. take on board what they're saying. Uh, we also know that uh, Crosby Texter launched in Hong Kong last year and now has two, two staff. So that's right. kind of interesting. Um, yes. Did they write the brief themselves? <laughs> no, I would, I would never suggest that. And we, we are definitely not suggesting that at all. Um, uh, interestingly, a number, if you look at the firms that attended the briefing session, you know, it really is a who's who of... of big PR networks and, and oh. we reported on 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 this BCW, Ogilvy, Ruder Finn, um, Fleischmann Hillard, I think Ketchum, you know, they, they were all in the briefing. They all decided yeah. not to take part. MSL of course did, oh, sorry, APCO, that's another one, decided not to take part. MSL did, but then they had second thoughts over the weekend. So we reported the story on Friday over the weekend. It's, I, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it is quite localized. Um, but I have never seen my phone blow up to this extent. Really? No. And as much as I've kind of always wanted to go viral, and I think as a journalist, um, especially, you know, I think as a trade journalist, you don't really have those moments where mm. you get that kind of, you know, that, the thousands of retweets. It, I, I didn't enjoy it very much. Um, and neither did MSL. Uh, because... Oh. <laughs> By Monday, they had decided uh, they were going to withdraw from the yeah. process. Their staff were not happy, um, the staff in Hong Kong. You know, there's a lot of, there, I mean, if you look at the social media stuff that's out there, there a lot of it is, is, is um, you know, pretty, pretty tough. There's a lot of comparing these firms to uh, Nazi atrocities. There's a lot of swastikas in my timeline. Oh gosh. Um, it's really intense. Now, it's difficult to say how real all of this is. I think I would probably suggest something like 90% of it is online only. Mm. It's not pleasant. Um, and there are risks, you know, there are risks to agency reputation, clearly. Uh, and MSL has decided to pull out. So we reported that on Tuesday. That got even more attention because I think the, the, the protest movement saw that as a victory. Mm. And so they kind of maybe even gave them a license to step up their attacks on, uh, on Edelman and Red Hill. Um, meanwhile, the Hong Kong government on Sunday 
quite strange because the government, I mean, it these days doesn't do much anyway, but certainly doesn't do much on a Sunday. Um, and came out with a statement on Sunday after after no commenting me on the Friday, oh. uh, realized it had to say something, came out and said that they'd had seven bids. Um, of course, that's now six, given that MSL is out. I don't see how Corvus can continue, although they may try, I, I imagine. Um, so six bids, let's say. Uh, let's say we know maybe three of them. That leaves three okay. others. But honestly, it's kind of... Um, it's it's not really clear whether those bids will have met the criteria. Um, they could be local firms with uh, with maybe an overseas office, could be ad agencies, maybe research firms, maybe some firms have tried to partner up and go for it. Um, so that's kind of where we are now. I mean, we know mm. we know a few of the firms involved. They're they're getting a lot of flack on social media. Um, it's it's a big story in Hong Kong, but. Um, the news media are so fast moving here. There are so many big stories here. You know, every day something quite big and significant happens. Um, so that will, will die down and that will help the firms that are taking part, I think. Um, I think Edelman is going to stay the course. Do uh, you? I think so. I think, um, I think they've got a very good chance of winning it, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we have reported on the the budget that is available for Hong Kong's Information Services Department, which is running this brief. Um, now, obviously, that's not the budget for this particular one-year campaign. Um, but the overall budget for this department was increased by 53% in Hong Kong's most recent budget. So... You would imagine there's eight figures available. Sorry, you would imagine there's seven figures available. Uh, there's not eight figures available. Um, I mean, I would, I would go for it if there were eight figures, frankly. <laughs> yeah, well, with the threshold, maybe we could. Who knows? <laughs> That's, well, people are always writing to us assuming we're a PR agency. I know, they, they, <laughs> go for it. They are. Actually, they are. Yeah, we get, we get all sorts of them. Um, RFP invitations, actually. Um, Seriously, let's do this. Yeah, so that's where we are, and it's it's been yeah, it's been really intense. I mean, I can only imagine what the firms, uh, how the firms going through it are feeling. You know, it must be oh. tough. It must be tough on their staff. Um, but equally, you know, they knew what they were getting into. I think um, there's this caveat emptor here, right? They they you yeah. know they they all knew, I think, what was going to happen. I'm interested in the gap though, right? Because it's, it's the gap between the number of agencies who are interested enough to attend the briefing and mm -hmm. go along to that stage and then immediately get cold feet to the extent they're not going to go for it. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. you know, it sounds like Corvus MSL is probably not going to be the last of those seven to, to pull out or to not even meet the criteria. Mm. Why, why is it such a controversial brief? What would, what would, what would give, you pause on the, other than the fact that it's very hot under that spotlight in Hong Kong at the moment? The reasons are varied, but they're not too dissimilar from um, the situation last year. Hmm. Uh, and I think um, the question probably is, has enough changed um, between last year's brief and this year's one? And, and we've run through some of the, the ways the brief is different. Um, and we've run through 
a couple of the ways that the environment is different, most notably because uh, PR firms are under, I think, much more difficult economic conditions. Yeah. But many of the PR agency heads I've spoken to don't think enough has changed. They don't think that um, the message the Hong Kong government is trying to push out can really be divorced from the reality of what's happening on the ground here. Um, they don't think that uh, this economic development brief um, can be neatly separated from the political reality of what's happening here. If you're trying to sell Hong Kong as an economic story, any self-respecting journalist uh, in the US or in Europe or in these target markets is going to ask about the protests. Mm. Um, and then the question becomes, well, how are you going to answer that question? Are you going to give them a factual response? Or are you going to have to maybe give the kind of response that the government is happy with? Um, and I think many agencies would, would, would rather avoid that situation. Now, having said that, I think many agencies attended the briefing because they genuinely want to see if they can help this situation. Mm. I think there is an opportunity for a PR firm to help, but only if the government is willing to listen and only if the brief is serious. I mean, even this brief, there were sections in there that frankly were really worrying. There was a section in there about how, you know, the social unrest is because last year the government didn't make its case well enough uh, in terms of mobilizing support for law enforcement. Mm. And, you know, this idea that the government's big problem is uh, they didn't make the case well enough for law enforcement. I mean, it's, it, again, it's just really tone deaf. And the idea that that might be part of this campaign, I think, would give agencies pause. There was another section where um, the brief asks agencies to consider how disturbances would impact the campaign communications and tone of messaging. Mm. Uh, and I know one very experienced public affairs agency that chose not to bid because of that paragraph alone, because it's, they said it could be used to justify, you know, um, uh, justify a crackdown. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's too sensitive from that respect. Um, there's the, the usual employee activism angle now, which are all very familiar with, you know, local staff will, will have concerns about it. We've seen that with MSL. Mm. I think that's probably the case with, with other firms too. I think ultimately the Hong Kong government needs a PR firm more than a PR firm needs the Hong Kong government right now. So you okay. have to look at that balance. You know, it's the, the impact on the reputation of the firm involved is an issue. But also, I think we have to say that there are firms that did want to take part. And I think... Uh, decided against it for really prosaic reasons. You know, they were too busy. Um, they had right. to on. And I believe them, actually. I don't think they're necessarily making that up. I do think maybe it's a case of, you know, they're busy and maybe this is more hard work than it's worth. Do you think there's an, uh, you know, there's, a, there's more focus in the last couple of years probably on, ethics mm. in um, global public relations and these sorts of briefs, which obviously, we, as we all know, led to the downfall of, of Bell Pottinger. And um, do you think that's more of a consideration for firms these days, you know, whether this is something that they, you know, is in line with their values as a firm, not just because of 
local staff worries but it's like you know how do we want to be seen as an agency what do we stand for do you think that's a consideration or, or do you, are you still cynical about that no I, absolutely it's a consideration I, I, I'm not cynical about it I, I've always thought that's a consideration but I think that the reason you may you suggest I'm cynical is because um, I think it's a pragmatic consideration in that firms have seen what happened to Bell Pottinger mm. when they took on a brief like this and they're really aware of what the penalties are and the consequences are, right? And so um, it's just not worth the, the potential downside, I think. I, I think the Bell Pottinger example has made them far more aware of this and has raised the stakes, no question. But, you know, let's be clear, every agency out there, as we know, is, is happily accepting work from the Saudi Arabian government right now, as we speak. Yeah. That was actually going to be you know, my next point. How is Hong Kong different to doing work for Saudi, which everybody seems quite happy to do? I don't know. A huge amount know. of cash flowing around, which is probably part of the, the mm. reason. But I don't understand what the difference is. I don't know. I, you know, I don't have all the answers. I, you know, neither do you, I assume. And um, <laughs> It's such a complex situation. It's why I always feel this argument around everyone deserves representation is... It's just a total red herring because, you know, in a court of law, there are clear you know, laws that um, prescribe how the different parties behave and act and, and, oh. and the whole guidelines and the process and all of that. You don't have that in the court of public opinion. Um, there are so many gray areas in terms of uh, who, who gets represented, how they get represented, what arguments can you put forward, how far can you push an argument how how far can you spin it where is the line um and so i do think it really is a case-by-case -case thing and i honestly i do think and maybe this is cynical i do think that weighing into that is the fact that agencies don't get as much grief for representing saudi arabia as they will do right now for representing hong kong the mm. other factor we didn't i didn't mention is that the geopolitical stakes are higher now. I think China is far more, in a geopolitical sense, far more toxic than it was mm. seven or eight months ago. Um, and so that's not going to play well either. Uh, so I do think, you know, whether it, it's, whether you call it ethical or pragmatic, I actually don't necessarily see a huge difference. Um, ultimately, I think it's agencies looking at something and just kind of making a determination on, on the upside and the downside. One of those determinations is, are we comfortable doing this? Is our staff mm. comfortable doing this? Is this the kind of work we want to be seen doing? What do you think is going to happen next? Um, it's a good question because um, it seems like everyone stopped talking to me now and I can't imagine <laughs> why. <laughs> uh, I think, um, well, certainly according to the brief, there are supposed to be presentations, supposed to be this week um, and next week. Uh, so they have to determine which of the bids meet the criteria. Those that meet criteria, the, the criteria then I think are invited to present and then a decision is made. Um, and so we should get to a decision reasonably quickly because they want the um, campaign to begin in, I think it's June slash July. Uh, oh, I mean, there is a timeline, but well, as you all know, with these things, it's a movable feast. 
always. So you think that you think that ultimately Hong Kong will be successful this time around in finding an agency? Yeah, I'd be very surprised if, if they're not. Mm. And I think that at this point, the government needs to find an agency. I don't think they can go through this whole rigmarole and then end up empty-handed again. It's just, um, it's, it's, it's really a bad look. Yeah, that's not, it's not a good look, is it, that happening twice? And it, it does sound like the, the brief is different enough to kind of, to, to justify going for it with that. I wonder how, how easy it's going to be, though, for the, to really separate out, as you were saying earlier, yeah. the politics from the, from, the, from the presentation. It's really hard. And I've been talking to so many people about this. And the range of views is, is fascinating, honestly. You know, the full spectrum from, no, I wouldn't touch it, obviously. It's just a no-brainer. To, on the other end, yeah, of course, it's economic development. Every firm does economic development for dictatorships, yeah. let's be clear. And Hong yeah. Kong is not even a dictatorship, right? No, there, this is true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Let's be clear, there are much worse governments out there that right now are employing well-regarded PR firms to do economic development. Mm. And we don't need to name them, but they are out there right now. And those firms have chosen not to work with Hong Kong, right? So yeah. it's hard to say it's a moral or ethical decision. Um, but what I will, would probably say is this brief, the gray area is a lot bigger. Right. And that's a bit depressing. <laughs> but maybe that's what it comes down to. Is there enough wiggle room? Yeah. And also, I mean, the fact that it's quite, it's quite a discreet brief, isn't it? It's a, it's a short period of time. It's a, it's a one-year project, effectively, yeah. Yeah. rather than we are Hong Kong's PR agency forever and a day. So maybe that's, that's going to make things easier if you can kind of frame it in that way. Yeah, although I've had other people suggest, you know, within a year, what, what exactly are you going to accomplish apart, well, from, yeah. apart from banking the money? Um, the other thing probably worth noting is um, there's been a lot of uh, trade union activity in Hong Kong over the last year. You know, a lot of trade unions have sprung up here as a, you know, as a means of, of supporting the, um, the struggle. Uh, and there is a PR trade union now, a PR employee union. Is there um, really? Yeah, and they launched in January of this year, and they have um, come out quite stridently against this brief. They've they've said to agencies, you know, to think twice basically before um, taking this on because there's going to be a lot of stuff going on this summer. Um, now, this union, I think it has. They say they have more than a hundred members from thirty firms in Hong Kong. Right. Um, okay. That, so, that's that's most of Hong Kong's PR agencies, I'm guessing. I mean, you know, as, as in any market, there's a huge long tail. Oh. Um, but if you're talking firms of more than like 10, 15 people, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's not that many of them. So, um, I mean, it's hard to say how influential that group is. Certainly from a media perspective, they've been quite active. Um, and they've been quite successful at getting into the local media. Uh, so it's, it's quite fascinating to see it playing out. You know, I've... I've I've not seen this happen with certainly any, any story I've reported on, um, you know, because you don't really see this kind of PR angle become the story. I think the last time I saw it happen probably was, um, was News Corp, weirdly enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you're right. <laughs> Funnily enough. So there's a pattern here um, <laughs> and you're right in the eye of the storm as well. So you're not just, 
observing it as I am and and we are over here in London you're 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 right in the middle of it so you've got all the kind of that that you understand the nuances of the market uh, and what's at stake much more than anybody who you know is reporting it from a from a different standpoint you're right in the middle of it which is kind of you know like you said it's kind of weird working for a a trade publication and having that spotlight on you very yeah it is very strange it's been yeah it's been kind of shared by all the politicians and all that kind of stuff you know it's never happened it doesn't happen when you when you write a story about a new EVP um, of no. purpose at, at, at an agency. Um, so <laughs> no, this is that, true. So, so that's been uh, quite surprising, a little bit unnerving, um, but you know, ultimately you can't, you can't be upset about these things. But one thing I will say is there's always value to distance. I think, you know, distance does bring perspective. My concern mm. is always that I'm too invested and that maybe I'm seeing things too up close and uh, someone with distance um, will maybe, you know, you kind of kind of notice things that I, I'm missing. So um, I'll rely on you for that. I'll let you know. I'll let you know if I think you've missed anything. Um, right. Well, I must go and write my next story about the new EVP of Purpose. <laughs> agency yeah, that isn't bidding for the Hong Kong That's the world. kind of story I want to go back to, actually. Just... <laughs> Oh yeah, be careful what you wish for. Yes, indeed. Um, well, look, take indeed. care of yourself. Uh, right, I know you'll keep us updated, and um, uh, we'll we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, thanks a lot, Maya. Take care. And see you soon. Take care. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media, and produced by the international broadcast specialist Marketeers.